The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Pascal Donoghue is Minister for Public Expenditure and Reform, and he is with me now. Minister, you're welcome uh, to the show. Um, I know today you've. Uh, Hi, Kieran. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you're, you're always welcome. Um, you, you launched today the Public Sector Performance Report. So this is a, basically a performance card of how uh, government departments are spending the money that are allocated uh, to them every year. What, what does this tell us about how different departments are spending money, um, uh, with particular regard to a department like health, where obviously we, we, we are very used to supplementary budgets being needed? Uh, so it tells us two things. It tells us, number one, uh, the gigantic variety of things the modern Irish state is involved in uh, and the efforts that we make to measure how we perform in so many different areas. And then with regard to health, uh, it shows us the progress that we are making with the treatment of certain diseases and the improvement of certain health outcomes. It also reminds us, though, that in the aftermath of the pandemic, the demand for all kinds of health services has really increased. And... Will there be a point at which the system can be said to have dealt with that demand? Is, is it possible to forecast at what point that gets worked through the system? So I think uh, uh, it is possible to uh, uh, be hopeful that the really big increase in the demand for healthcare that has happened in the aftermath of the pandemic, we are going to get to a point in which we will be able to deal with that kind of stock of deferred health care. And I was in the Matter Hospital earlier on today, actually, meeting uh, clinicians, nurses, managers, staff, who are trying to come up with new ways of reducing waiting lists and new ways of using technology to deal with patient care. So I do believe we're going to be able to make further progress with regard to that. I mean, to give a sense, look, of, of the kind of work that goes on in our hospitals, which I know, you know you'll be aware of, across last year alone, there was 1.7 million different um, examples of inpatient care provided in our hospitals alone. So we will make progress in that, but there's little doubt at all that we're going to need further investment, for example, in more hospital beds, in more primary care centres, to look to continue that progress in the time ahead. Will a supplementary budget be needed for health this year? So I, I don't want there to be one, but it has also been the case that year after year, uh, there has been a supplementary budget needed for the Department of Health. There have been a rare number of years in which one has not been needed. And as you're probably also aware, uh, an issue that I have been working on over the last number of weeks is we have seen uh, the health expenditure being over forecast uh, versus where we expect it to be by the month of May. The health budget for the year overall will be approximately €24 billion. Mm. And a few weeks ago, we were seeing that their health expenditure uh, up to this point in the year was around €300 million higher than we expect it to be. And obviously what I want to see... So there there will be. You you don't want it, but there will be a supplementary budget this year. uh, And if there is a supplementary budget required at the end of the year, I want that budget to be the lowest level possible uh, so that it you know, uh, is affordable and doesn't impact on our budget planning. But at the same time, I have to recognise that there are needs in patient care that will have to be met, and I don't want to compromise that either. And I'll be working with Minister Donnelly, with Stephen Donnelly on this as the year goes on. Uh, something else then that's been published today I want to ask you about is the central bank analysis that suggests higher taxes might be needed in the future, in the near future, to cool demand in the economy. Uh, and it goes on to say that uh, cutting taxes could add to overheating 
uh, concerns. Does that scotch Fine Gael hopes for tax cuts? So what Fine Gael are looking for is, uh, and is something that the government has already uh, agreed to in our programme for government. Uh, all of our different political parties that are in the government bring a different tradition and a different political outlook. Uh, what the programme for government says is that we would look to uh, index uh, our tax bans, for example, uh, with what happens with the development of wages and prices within our economy. And if we have uh, changes in our tax code that are in line with other changes in our economy, then they should not contribute to inflationary pressure within our economy. I do accept what the central bank says, that whether it's expenditure or tax reduction, you can go beyond a certain level that can create an inflationary risk. But that's not something that myself and Minister McGraw want to do. It's not something the government want to do. And in fairness... There's to three junior ministers who want to do it, though, isn't there? Well, I think our junior ministers would also be aware of that risk as well. Uh, the they should, do, do you think they should take time today to read that central bank analysis? I've little doubt at all they'd already have read it. And I've little doubt they're aware of the reports and analysis that other institutions have done regarding our budget policy. Like we are fortunately in a position that we have a budget surplus this year, a budget surplus next year, which is very, very large. And the reason that has happened is we've been aware of the inflationary risk and we have not spent money that I and Michael McGrath believe may be once off. And that's the reason why we're in a surplus position. That opens up new political risks, that opens up new needs that our society has. And we're having a debate about that at the moment. But I'm confident that when we get to budget time, we will bring forward a budget that will aim to get that balance right. Are you planning to go to Taylor Swift next year? Yes, I am. Karen, are you planning to go? Well, if someone wants to offer me a ticket, I'll absolutely go. I'm sure it's going to be difficult well, actually, to get them. I, 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 I'm probably, I think they will be hard to come by. I'm sure you and I have probably both already pre-registered. I get you and the, you and the rest looked, of the fan club, though, might get priority treatment. I, I, even though I'm a big fan, I'm not quite in the, in the fan <laughs> club uh, formal status. But I did have the opportunity to see her when she was in Crow Park there a number of years ago. Uh, and, uh, you know, Ireland's already missed out on Beyonce this year, even though we had Harry. And I think lots, lots and lots of fans will be looking forward to seeing her back in Ireland next year. So what do you make then of hotels, some hotels, and, and uh, uh, it should be stressed, only some hotels increasing their prices threefold in a few cases uh, as soon as those dates were announced yesterday? So two things. First one is, you're dead right, it's only a small number of hotels that do it, okay? And it's important to recognise that the vast, that the majority of hotels are responsible in their pricing. Secondly, I think it's appalling. Uh, and, uh, you know, efforts that are made to, you know, profit here when something like this is announced give the whole sector a bad name and are not fair to the vast majority of hotels that price responsibly. And it's certainly not fair to people who will either come to Ireland to see the gig or people who will travel to Dublin to see the gig. It's expensive. I'm sure the tickets will be expensive enough. It's already a big day out going to a gig like that and providing affordable accommodation and an affordable night in a hotel uh, is really in the best interest of all in hospitality. Uh, uh, Not unrelated then, this afternoon we have uh, these uh, figures, these Eurostat figures, that Ireland is the most expensive country in Europe for consumer goods and services. So, yeah, threefold increases immediately might be price gouging, but hotels are expensive here and they're not alone. It seems that when it comes to most consumer goods, we're way above what they're paying in other parts of Europe. Yeah, I think, though, it's worth having a look 
at the, the figures more broadly, as I'm sure you're, you're aware. I mean, if you look at the three countries which are the most expensive, and we are expensive, it's Ireland, Denmark, and Luxembourg. Um, and what those three countries have in common at the moment, and this is not to explain, and this is not to justify the fact that the cost of living is high, but they are countries whose economies are growing very, very quickly. They are small at the moment, and they're countries that recovered very quickly from the pandemic. We've always had a difficulty here with the high cost of living in Ireland, um, and that is a problem that is now added to uh, in many ways because we, along with those two other countries, are growing really, really quickly. And that's why we have to do all we can, Kieran. And This mm. goes back to the other question you put me there about the central bank. We have to do all we can to get inflation down in our economy and get it back down to low levels because it makes a, 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 a country that can be expensive at times even more costly. And that's why we do have to get inflation down and not make the problem worse. Yeah, and listen, the, the, that economic recovery is part of the picture, but you acknowledge it yourself. It, it, it's a long-running problem, the cost of living here. Why? Uh, because we're a, a, a small economy, and uh, when you're a small economy, the kind of forces of competition that larger economies can benefit from, you know, we sometimes don't. Uh, because we're a small economy, uh, we don't have, for example, the kind of competition that other and bigger economies would have, and that creates challenges for us. Um, and government has a role to play in us, uh, and we do our very best to look at the levers that we can use to get down the cost of living. Um, uh, but ultimately, it's why competition and competition through Europe is always in our long-term interest. Well, the Portuguese economy is a small economy. I mean, you know, there's other countries in Europe with small economies. And, 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 uh, and your logic about competition would apply to those countries in the same way. And yet they're paying nowhere near the prices we are. Uh, in, indeed, um, and there are other economies, uh, for example, who uh, will be uh, you know, even smaller than ours, and there are many on which the cost of living uh, can be lower than it is here, and I, I do take your point. But you know, where we are at the moment is if you look at the rate of growth the Irish economy uh, is experiencing at the moment and has over the last number of years, it's significantly ahead of where the Portuguese economy is, and that in turn you know, has created a lot more kind of pressure on prices that have gone up. So you're right to say, you know, Portugal, um, you know, in some ways is comparable to us, but our economy is growing a lot quicker. And I'm not looking to justify this. Mm. I'm certainly not saying that it's something that we should be tolerating. I'm just looking to explain it. And it just goes back to the point that I've made that regarding why getting down inflation is so important. Yeah, but I mean, the concern people have or are, 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 are maybe the question that I have is, how real that economic growth is for everyone here when it is fueled to a large degree by those corporate tax receipts. You know, and, and, and I'm not one of those people who subscribes to leprechaun economics because those corporate tax receipts are, are real money that gets paid into the exchequer that can be spent on real things. But at the same time, when you compare the size of our economy and the level of our economic growth, largely it's driven by three businesses. So there's going to be people out there listening to this who have nothing to do with those businesses and they'll think, hold on, the consequence of that, of that economic growth driven by them, is that I have to pay more for everything else than my, 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 my opposite number in Portugal. So what you're right to say is that uh, three companies are paying a very, very large share of our tax receipts. Uh, uh, that is spot on and you're right, which is why we should not spend that money. 
But the point that you're making about, you know, three companies are maybe suggesting there that the FDI sector is driving so much of our, of our growth. They do drive some of our growth, but actually the small and medium-sized sector within our economy uh, overall in the round is the largest employer that we have. And um, if, if you look at, you know, national income growth, there are other measurements as well which really matter to our country performance. And the most obvious one is employment. Mm. And the FDI sector makes a very big contribution to that. And, and that's why we have more people at work in Ireland than we've ever had before. And like, I do take your point that you know, large tax receipts coming in from a small number of companies uh, can create the sense of economic growth that's not inclusive. But I'd make the point back that other ways of looking at economic growth, in particular employment, mm. the number of people who are at work how household income is growing in Ireland is something that is more meaningful, that touches on us all, and that in the round Ireland is doing well on, while, of course, we have many things, Kieran, that yeah. we need to do better on too. Uh, listen, before I let you go, let me ask just about the Taoiseach. Um, there's been you know, mutterings about Leo Varadkar's leadership of the party, and I, I know you have expressed confidence in him. Um, he, he did lead Fine Gael to one of their, their worst general election performances ever, and polls now of the party on 18%, so below this 20% Rubicon that people talked about. So I guess my question is, what does Leo have to do for you to lose confidence in him? Um, uh, I, I haven't worked directly for the man now uh, for over five years and uh, seen him in operation in times good and bad during that period. Uh, he has my confidence and he, I expect and I'm confident, Kieran, he will always have us. Unconditional. Uh, Unconditional. Seen. Well, the reason I say this is I think future, you know, past performance is a great indicator of future, future performance as well. Um, and I have just seen him deal as Taoiseach with the most testing circumstances for our country. I'd look at the pandemic, I'd look at Brexit, I'd look at the efforts that he makes to all the things that your listeners want us to do better on. And um, I'm confident he'll always have my confidence in the future. Uh, I accept that in the 2020 election, we didn't do as well as we wanted. There were other elections in which we did well in, but the general election and a general election is the ultimate barometer. But for me, there are also other measures that I use to look at how I believe Leo Varadkar has performed. And one of them is his time as Taoiseach. Yeah. And I believe when he has been Taoiseach, he's been confronted by tests that few others have uh, that he has risen to. And I pick out the pandemic and Brexit, those two in particular. I'm well aware of how my own party and me need to do better representing and serving the people uh, of our country. Um, but I'm really confident that we're going to be able to do that in the time ahead and that Leo will be one of the big reasons why. And that's what we, people like me uh, have to work very hard to deliver now. Minister, as always, thank you very much. Uh, Minister for Public Expenditure and Reform, Pascal Donahoon. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.